All right, church, good morning. We want to thank Brother Honey. I'm just, um, Brother Billy. That's an inside joke, by the way. His wife is our new office manager, secretary, however we see, whatever her name may be. But uh, Miss Kim, I'm sure you're watching at home, and uh, we come to the conclusion she couldn't call him just Honey at work. We had to make it official, make it, you know, make it sound a little bit more professional. So it's Brother Honey. And, uh, and so, Brother Honey always does a good job, amen? And uh, we're thankful. We're thankful for Billy, and we're thankful for Kim and their family. Uh, amen. Glad that the Lord sent them our way. And so, w- want to add just a little bit before we jump into the sermon this morning. Don't let Austin fool you. He's still a kid, amen? Uh, he may have a beard, uh, but he's still young, and he still plays with toys. He's got a Tom Brady bobblehead on his desk. Uh, I'm just kidding. I think it's a Drew Brees, maybe. But, you know, and you're thinking about, he got my mind wondering, golly, I'm like, God, he's talking about mud pies. I, I grew up on a farm, and so we made mud pies, but we made them for ammunition. You know what I'm saying? We didn't just make the mud pie and just throw it away. Oh, no, we threw it at each other. Amen. They were mud missiles is what they were, and, and those weren't the only pies we threw, if y'all know what I mean. <laughs> On a farm, you've got multiple kinds of pies. Ain't that right, Joyce and Ronnie? You've got cow pies, and don't think we didn't throw them. And uh, you may be thinking, golly, Brother Donnie, that's just nasty. That's why our immune system's so good, amen? We, we, we ate mud pies, threw cow pies, drank from water, you know, spigots, you name it. That's what we did when you was growing up on a farm. But man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I pray that you've had a good week. Um, Leroy is at home, and so praise God for that. And uh, Mr. Leroy, if you're watching this morning, brother, uh, we love you, and we're praying for you uh, and your family. And I'm very eager. I want to get by there to see him just as soon as I can. But praise God, he is at home, and he is resting. Continue praying for Leroy. Continue praying for his family. Pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. If you don't, there's one in front of you in your pew. We're going to be in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And so my sermon and the children's sermon this morning align with each other. So hopefully the kids are getting the same thing this morning uh, with their scripture that Austin and them are teaching them. Get your sermon outline ready. Open up your bulletin. It's in there. Hopefully you got a pencil or a pen, crayon, whatever it is that you want to use this morning as we start working through God's sermon and God's word together this morning. In 1998, I remember this very, very well. It's in 1998. I'll see 18 and 4. I was 22. I was 22 years old. So in 1998, Christian artist Paul Balash released a song that has been a mainstay in contemporary Christian music. And I bet Billy knows. I see Kevin whispering. You're too young to remember this, Kevin. And it goes like this. You ready? Open the eyes to my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to what? I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you. High and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing what? Holy, holy, holy. As Jesus and his disciples were walking down the streets of Jerusalem, they came upon much more than a man that had been blind since birth. 
that would sit daily and basically beg for his provisions. As this situation unfolds, Jesus sees the blind hearts. He sees the blind expectation. He sees the blind beliefs. And while Jesus uses this situation to continue to validate that he is the Son of God, there is so much more that's happening in this story. We see Jesus using this opportunity to open the eyes of all people to understand that while we are on this earth, we must do the work of the Father because our time on this earth is what? Our time on this earth is short. And church, hear me this morning, those watching at home, all miracles don't come in the form of a physical healing. Amen? And I believe Jesus uses people to reveal the acts of God in different ways so people can experience the love and the grace of God. When we sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I, I want to see you. Well, let's, let's remember, seeing Jesus is also seeing the need and the purpose for laboring for Jesus Christ. Jesus is calling out to us to do the works of God. And the question is this, are we fulfilling that duty to a world that is in great, great need of having their eyes and having their hearts open to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to God's love, to God's healing, to God's forgiveness, to God's salvation, to God's will. Let's read John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Listen to the word of God. We all know this story. If you've been raised up in the church, We've heard it from Bible school, we've heard it from Sunday school, but maybe this morning, maybe we're going to catch something just a little bit different. Jesus, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, listen to these words. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, they said, Rabbi, well, who sinned? So immediately they, they see this, this individual that, that's got an issue, and immediately their mind goes to sinfulness. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And look what Jesus says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in this world, I am the light of this world. Having said this, he, he spit on the ground. We've all done this before, haven't we? He, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. And look what Jesus says. He says, go. He told him. Wash in the pool of Shalom, and this word means sent. So the man went and washed, and what happened? The Bible says that he went home singing something happened that day in that man's life and the same thing can happen today amen let's pray father we thank you for this day lord i know it's a little nasty outside but father you're still good Lord, you still love us. You're worthy of our, of our admiration. Father, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of everything that we do, God. 
So, Lord, thank you for finding us a way here today. Lord, we thank you for the music that Billy and the choir have sang. Thank you for opening up our, our hearts, Lord, preparing us to receive your word. And, Father, I pray this morning as we speak and as we, we teach on, on this blind man that you healed. Father, there's so much more to this story. God, open our eyes to your work and to your will. And, Father, I pray right now the Holy Spirit is already opening up hearts. I pray he's already opening up eyes. He's already opened up minds, Lord, to what it is that you would have us learn today. So, Father, be with our children in children's church. Let them learn. And, Father, I pray for all the adults, teenagers, whatever age is in here right now, those watching at home. Open our eyes, Lord, to your love and to your will and to what you have in store for us. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. So in the first two verses of this story, here's Jesus, and he's got the gang with him, amen? And so here's Jesus and his disciples, and they're just strolling by, and they came upon this individual. And this individual was a man that had been blind since what? Since birth. So now we need to understand some things. This, this blind man from birth, we're going to find out later on, he's also a beggar. So what does that tell us? What well, tells us, number one, he had no way of making what? He had no way of making money. I mean, what could he do? There was no disability. There was no government help. There was no state help. So the only way for this man to receive any money was every day he what? He begged. And I'm not saying that he was begging for his weekly provisions. I'm not saying he was begging for his monthly provisions. I'm not saying he was begging for his yearly provisions. But this man, like many Jews in that day, he was begging for his what? His daily provision. You know, a lot of times we'll say, well, people live check to what? Check to check. No, 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 no. Many in the Jewish culture live day to what? See, many of us have no idea what that's like, do we? We have no idea what that's like. We get up, we've got eggs, we've got cereal, we've got waffles, we've got pancakes, we've got you know, biscuits, we, we've got an option of things to eat. And that's just for one meal, right? But for this individual, each day was a challenge. Each day there was obstacles. And his way of making money was dependent on who? On others. What kind of charitable mood would they be in that day, right? And in ancient Palestine, blind people were cast holy or every bit of what they had on the mercy of others and they would position themselves in their sanctuaries hoping that people would see them. Hoping that people would be in a charitable mood. Now, I'm not going to dive into this question, but I want you to think for a second, what would your life look like? Think about this. If you were blind and had to depend on the charitable donations of others. What would your life look like? And when I thought about this question, I told myself, thank God for the church family. That reminded me of that this week. Thank God for the church family. Somebody said, well, Brother Donnie, what do you mean? Because I'm going to tell you this, the church, we take care of each other. 
Now, that doesn't mean that the church is going to be able to, to help you with every single situation that comes up in your life. It may not mean that they may be able to pay off all of your bills. It doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do everything in your life. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm 44. I'm almost 45 years old. I don't want to go through this life without a church family. And so many people are. So many people right now, they're struggling to find a church family. This COVID has just really condensed. It's, it's contempt. It has put things out of reach. And people right now are struggling. And I'm telling you, as we come out of this, they're going to be struggling again, trying to figure out, God, where do you want me? Well, let me give you a couple of things, and I'm going to chase this rabbit, and we're going to get back. Go where you're going to be loved. Go where you are going to be taught the word, the true word of God. Go where you can use your gifts and your abilities. Amen? Those things are important. So as they pass by, Jesus sees this man. Now, if anybody sees me, I want it to be Jesus. Amen? Especially if I'm this blind beggar. So as they pass by, Jesus sees this man. Now, understand, this is more than a, a casual glance, right? How many times do we see people sometimes and we give them a casual glance like, brother, I have a sister, I know you're there, but I don't have time. <laughs> I know you're there, but I'm in a hurry. And the Greek word for saw has many meanings, just like our English word, but this word in Greek can mean to inspect. It can mean to perceive, to behold, to pay attention to, or even to interview with or to visit with. So in my opinion, Jesus seeing this man was much more than just a casual what? A casual glance. And the disciples, they wanted to know Jesus, whose sin caused this man to be blind? Whose sin caused this man to be a blind beggar? Well, the Jewish rabbis generally believed in this direct cause and effect relationship between suffering and sin. So it's pretty easy to understand their thinking considering this is what they had been taught and Jewish tradition. So basically the disciples, they, they saw a man that was blind because of someone's sin, and they asked Jesus, Lord Jesus, is this because of something that he did in the womb? Or is this something that his parents have done? And I want you to look at Jesus' response in verses 3 through 5. Look what Jesus says. It's not this man's sin, nor it's parents' sin, Jesus said. But it happens so that the work of God might be displayed. And as long as it's day, we got to do the work of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am in the light of the world. So this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. You ready? So Jesus reveals this to us. Number one, even in tragedy, God's grace and his works can be what? Can be revealed. Even in tragedy, God's grace... And his acts, his works can be revealed. And in verse 3, I'm sure Jesus startled the disciples. As he says, listen, it's, it's not this man's sin. It's not his parents' sin. But this situation, th this is much more than what your blind belief or what you have been taught can see. Jesus announces to the disciples in very simplistic language that, boys, listen to me. This man's life has purpose. This man's life has meaning. This is not just a beggar born blind, but he's a person 
of purpose, and Jesus was going to change this man's life to reveal His grace for others to what? To see. But what about the disciples? Well, you know where they fall? They fall in some Old Testament Scripture. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Bible says, For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? He looks at the heart. And the hearts and the minds of the disciples have been blinded by this false belief that because someone had a disability, then someone's sin was to blame. But in all honesty, we're not much different than the disciples, are we? Let's be honest. Many times people judge others by appearance before we get to know their what? Before we get to know their heart. And that's how we've been raised. That's what we see. Many times, and even in the church. Well, hey, where, where are your best? I have no problem with that. Where are your suits? Where are your dresses? I have no problem with any of that. But I'm going to tell you, if the best you have is a t-shirt and a pair of raggedy jeans, come on. Come on. Because I got news for you, this ain't going to get you in. These ain't going to get you in. These ain't going to get you in. The only thing going to get you in is this. you got to confess Him. It's a heart transplant. It's a heart movement. It's good to look nice. It's good to dress nice. But let me ask you, how many sheep are in wolf's clothing? How many sheep are in wolf's clothes? See, I don't really care what you dress like. I care that you're here. And I care that you are committed to your God. And I care that you're committed to your church family. Those are the things that I care about. I think those are the things God cares about. Amen? And so as we see this situation unfolding, we're starting to see what, what is going on in this. Bottom line, God has a purpose for every individual. Amen? He has a purpose for every individual. And this is also in your sermon outline. And Jesus knew, and this is your asterisk this morning, His number one purpose was to be a what? A working servant. It was to be a working servant. Jesus explains to the disciples in verse 4, we got to do the work, church. He says, we got to do the works of Him who sent Jesus as long as it's day because night is coming when no one can work. And so Jesus was explaining first and foremost that while He was here on this earth, the light was shine most brightly among men. Now it doesn't mean the work of Jesus or His greatness would stop once He ascended, but what it did mean is this, is that life on earth was meant for one purpose, and that was to be a servant for the Father. Because the Bible tells us in Luke 19.10, it says, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's why He came. To be a working servant. To seek and to save that which was lost. And how often do we look at our lives and we really ask ourselves, what's my purpose? God. God, what's my purpose? What's my priorities? I mean, the 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new cre creation. The old had passed. Behold, the new things have come. So if you've been saved, you've got a new what? 
You've got a new purpose. You've got new priorities in your life. Those new things also reveal our character. What are your priorities? Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. I think anymore there's a lot more fans of Jesus than there are servants of Jesus. Amen? That's what I'm seeing. And let me ask you this. When we admit Jesus as Savior, does He ask us to be servants? Does Jesus really expect us to love Him so much that His love and His works will affect the way that we live, affect the way that we love, and the way that we serve? Is Jesus asking us to do this? Is Jesus really asking us to do the work of the Father in such a way that those works reveal something to other people? See, I I believe, and this is in your outline as well this morning. You ready? I believe the works of Jesus in our lives reveals our obedience. Amen? I believe it reveals our obedience. The Bible tells us, therefore, go and make disciples of all what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus never said, look, when you feel comfortable. Jesus never said when it's convenient. Jesus never said when you feel confident. Jesus never said when you get a little bit excited. Jesus said to what? To go. He said to go. He gave us a commandment and the works of Jesus in our lives, it reveals that. It reveals our obedience. The works of Jesus in our lives also reveals our what? It reveals our heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? With all of your mind. And when we love in this manner, doing a work of God comes with joy. It comes with expectations. And then the works of Jesus also reveals our what? And this is something we're forgetting in the church today. It reveals our testimony. When God gives us the opportunity to introduce him to others, there's no telling what kind of miracle Jesus may do. Amen? There's no telling And he gives us the opportunity to tell others what Jesus has done. Now, I wonder this. In in church, you don't have to raise your hand, even those at home that are listening. I wonder how many miracles has Jesus performed in this congregation. I wonder. How many miracles has he performed? And listen to this. Webster's Dictionary defines that miracle this way. An extraordinary event manifesting manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Or this. An extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. Not all miracles are physical healings. Amen? Maybe it was your marriage. Maybe it was your marriage. And you think to yourself, Lord, only a miracle is going to heal this. And you get serious. And you pray. And you pray. And you get more serious. And you draw closer to God. Both of you do. And then something happens in that marriage that saves it. A miracle happens because you're right. You can't fix it all by yourself, can you? But Jesus steps in. And Jesus heals that marriage. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe something got strained. Maybe it's a family relationship, a working relationship, a neighborly relationship, and you're thinking, Jesus, only a miracle is going to what? Save this. And you get to praying. 
And then all of a sudden, Jesus performs a what? He performs a miracle. Maybe a need was met unexplainably. Maybe there's something going on in your life, and you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, only a miracle is going to be able to, to fulfill this need in my life. And then all of a sudden, guess what Jesus does? He does the unexplainable, and he fulfills a need. You know, we had a couple in our previous church that for years they tried to have a child. And they were going through the process of looking at adopting, which is an awesome thing. Praise God. Amen. And I looked at her one Sunday. I said, don't give up. Don't give up. And they come back to me a couple weeks later and they said, you know what? We're pregnant. And I think this is with their second one. Not their first one, it was their second one. They said, we're pregnant. I said, isn't that a miracle of what God can do? But yet we shortcome him all the time, don't we? We shortcome him all the time. Or maybe Jesus did perform a physical healing in your life. Maybe, one of, maybe there's somebody in here right now that Jesus has performed a physical healing. My best man in my marriage years ago had a horrible car accident. They said, you're not going to live long. They said, you're not going to have any children. I think that's been over 20 years ago. He's a youth pastor. And they got two kids. They got two kids. Isn't that amazing, though? In verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, as long as it's day, we got to do the work. We gotta work. Night's coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. For a while during Jesus' ministry, now when I watch this, he would often disappear to get away from the Pharisees, or he would often disappear to get away from the crowds because of their plans to try to harm him or capture him or even kill him. But when he disappeared, he would pop up in other places ready to help ready to heal, ready to preach the Word. Jesus didn't let others define who He was. He knew His purpose. He knew God's will. And He lived out that purpose in His life. He lived it. And Jesus also knew that His time on earth in the flesh was limited and His day of sacrifice was drawing near. But let's be honest this morning with ourselves. Our days are what? Numbered. Our days are short. And James reminds us that our life is like a vapor or a mist and that we're here today and we're gone what? And we're gone tomorrow. You know, in my mind, there's, there's days that I think to myself and I'm still that little 9 and 10-year-old kid that's playing with his Dukes of Hazard stuff. Right? Legos. Anybody have a slinky? The metal ones, by the way. Not the plastic, right? I had the stompers. Anybody else have stompers? When they were growing up, man, those were the best toys, amen? Stompers were awesome. Then I remember being a teenager, young adult, now in my mid-40s with three kids and a 
kid that's a sophomore in college, a sophomore in high school, and a third grader and been married now for 22 years. I'm thinking to myself, Lord, where did time what? But God's been good. But it's how fast it goes by. And this is why I believe, and this is your second asterisk this morning, is this, that Jesus' cry of servanthood should inspire us. These words should inspire us to go and to be the light of the what? The light of the world. And even as Christians, it's sometimes easy to forget who we are. Life creeps in. We know this, right? Life creeps in, especially if you've got kids, right? Life creeps in and issues arise and we start to let other things define us, although the, present of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is always there and He's always knocking you know, I asked this at a funeral service years ago. I said, what will describe your life when you pass away? I want you to think about this. Now, some of you guys are going to say, well, I, it was my career, it was my pastimes, it was my family, it was, it was all of these different things that we think of that has this great importance in our life, right? Well, people say your lifestyle deterred them from coming to Jesus. Is it possible people will say that? That your lifestyle deterred them from coming to Jesus? Will people say that your lifestyle confused them about coming to Jesus? Because let's be honest, many times we Christians, we fall into this trap of, yeah, we want to be Christian on Sunday, but then our lives from Monday to Saturday don't always reflect who we say we what? Who we say we are. And so here we go, we go out into this world, and we're confusing people that don't know Jesus, and they don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. They look at us and they say, well, your life's no different than mine, and I don't even go to church. The way you act is no different than mine, and I don't even go to church. Well, the things that you do and you advocate for, hey, I don't even go to church. And so we confuse them about who it is that we say we are because our lifestyle does not reflect who we say lives in our what? Lives in our hearts. Or what about this? Maybe people will say, that person was a light for Jesus. Maybe somebody's going to say that about you. Leroy Hayfield. Other people that have been in this church that have gone on before now. People will say, man, those were the good old days. The, the, these people like Leroy, man, God's just not making them anymore. Yeah, he is. But it's got to start with us. It's got to start with you telling somebody, love you, brother. Love you, sister. Shake hands. I'm praying for you. Smile. Make a phone call. Send a card. Be a great example. You know, I could tell you some stories about Leroy. But I don't know if I can get through them. Pretty sure that man loved me before I ever really got to love him. You with me?
We got to be that way. We got to be that way. And I don't know if it starts with a heart movement. I, I don't know if it starts with the sharing testimonies, being more open. But one day when your number's called and it's coming, amen, how you live this life is going to be a reflection on who you are. Don't you want people to say that person was a light for Jesus? That person was a light for Christ. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5.14, he said, you're the light of the world. Well, guess who that light is now? Now you're that light. You are that light now. And so when people see you, what are they seeing? What kind of light are they beholding? And then I want you to look at verses 6 to 7, and this leads to point 2. Having said this, Jesus, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes, and he said, Go. Washing the pool of shalom, and this word meant sense with the man. He went, he washed, and he came home seeing. And so this leads to point number two, that even in tragedy of God, even in tragedy, God's work, and that's what it should read, even in tragedy, God's work can open our what? Our eyes. Even in tragedy, God's work can open up our eyes. In verse 6, we see the potter. He's turning the spit into dirt, into clay, and he anoints. He applies the clay to the eyes of this blind beggar. And this blind man probably had no idea what Jesus was doing, but he could feel it. He could feel the clay being applied to his what? To his eyes. And nowhere in this story, and I want you to notice, we won't see this a lot of times, but nowhere in this story did this man ask Jesus to be what? To be healed. Jesus saw a need and he went to what? He went to work. But the blind man did have a job to do. Now Jesus told him, he said, go. Go to the pool of Shalom and I want you to wash. And the Bible says the man went and the blind man had to be obedient unto the direction of Jesus for the miracle to come to what? To come about. To come to fruition. But this man, he didn't hesitate. The Bible basically says he got up, he jumped head first. He knew something was going on in his life. And he may not be able to explain it, but he felt something in his heart. And he obeyed and he came back healed from the blindness that he had been born with. And here's what's so amazing, church. From that moment forward, this man would not be known anymore as the blind what? As the blind beggar. Oh, no, 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 no. From that day forward, this man would be known as healed. Amen? He was healed. This man's testimony of the work that Jesus did would prove that Jesus came to give sight to the blind and anyone could be healed if they come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Listen to this story. Listen to this story told by Lou Little, the football coach at Columbia University. This has been years ago. Listen to this. He had a guy on his squad who didn't play very well, but who had a spirit that lifted the morale the entire 
team. Little was proud of the boy, and he marveled at how he and his father would walk arm in arm around the campus after the games. The boy's father died unexpectedly. After he returned from the funeral, the boy asked if he could play in the football game on Saturday. He said he wanted to play for his father. And the coach thought he would let him start for the first few minutes, and then he would replace him with a regular player. But to the surprise of everyone, the boy played the entire game. He played 60 minutes of inspired football. And after the game, the coach sought him out. He said, what got into you out there? Listen to this. The boy said, do you remember how me and my father and I, we, we used to go around arm in arm? He didn't want people to know, but he was totally blind. This afternoon was the first time he ever saw me play football. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I wonder what the blind man saw first when he opened his eyes. Did he look at the sun? Did he look at the blue sky? Did he examine the temple? Did his vision open up a whole new world that he had never, ever seen? And the healing of the man born blind here in John's gospel, it was chosen by John as the sixth sign to demonstrate Jesus' messiahship. But Jesus used it to prove much, much more that day. This morning, I want to open up your eyes to a few things as we get ready to close that I pray will challenge you as the time of invitation comes upon us. Are you ready? Number one, remember this, God has a purpose for every life. Amen. For every life, God has a purpose. The Bible says that God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of his truth. Brother Donna, you mean me? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got a purpose for every life. Number two, God calls those who find purpose in him to be the light of the world. How's your light this morning, church? Is it dim? Is it flickering? Does it need some lighter fluid? Or is it healthy and burning strong? I know this pandemic has been hard, right? I know for some, their light's starting to flicker. They're starting to lose a little bit of hope. But listen to me, God is still good, amen? And he's still on the throne, and then number three, Jesus is still in the miracle business. And he's still giving sight to the blind. Maybe some of you this morning aren't looking for a physical healing, but you're looking for a healing dealing with other aspects of your life. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Some of you just need to come and rest this morning. Some of you just need to come and pray about your life and the direction that it's going. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing what? Holy, holy, holy. What does your eyes need opening up to this morning? Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you laboring for Christ? Maybe your testimony can lead to a miracle in someone else's life. Because people are looking to you. They're looking to us for hope, for joy, for love. You and I, we can be a miracle sent to people 
that are looking for a miracle worker of Jesus Christ. Amen. What your eyes need open to this morning? Whatever the need is, as Billy comes and we sing and you, God's working here this morning already. Whatever it is, you can come and you can pray. This altar is yours. This invitation is yours. And so whatever God is impressing upon your heart right now, don't suppress that, amen? But come and give it to God. So churches, you stand. Let's sing this morning as we stand.